0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Napa know-how.
1: It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores, while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17.
0: It is Locked on Jazz for the 17th of April. Joe Johnson is the hero. We'll talk some more about that matchup, the fight after Rudy, the strategy, the look at the Clippers. Plus, we'll hear from Joe Johnson and Joe Ingles. Doc Rivers with a mysterious quote that makes you wonder if they ever prepped for this game. And we'll hear from Quinn Snyder looking toward game number two. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. pow How are you? I'm David Locke, live from Beverly Hills, California. I don't know if that's really true, but life from Southern California. Hope everything is going well. Thanks so much for taking the time with us uh, and tuning into today's show. What a what a win for the Jazz. Maybe maybe when you start looking at great wins in franchise history, uh, we'll see if it ever parlays into winning a series, and that'll obviously change its place. Uh, it reminds me a lot of how the Jazz reacted after Mehmet Okor tore his Achilles tendon uh Mehmet Okor Torres achilles uh injury in denver in the first round series they were going through all their stuff with uh with with uh george carl and adrian dantley was coaching and they were kind of a mess and we took advantage of it uh but it was that that was that was you know tr- a a, a heart wrenching uh loss uh, game one of that playoff series in the first half, and the Jazz fought through to beat Denver in that playoff series. This this really felt very, very similar. To that What an incredible win, great fight, one that makes you really proud to be uh, a Jazz fan and and root for your, root for your club. So we'll look at that. Uh, We'll look some more at that ball game. T- hear from Joe Johnson and Joe Ingles. I got a chance to talk to both of them yesterday. I'll have those conversations for you. We'll hear from Quinn Snyder as well as what he's looking at. So it's a jam-packed edition of Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast to the Utah Jazz. If you're new to the program for the playoffs, uh, and three of your, you, somebody told you about it. Thank that friend. If you haven't told three friends about Locked On Jazz, please do. Uh, This is our daily podcast. We bring you about the Utah Jazz. You can subscribe on your Android device, your iTunes, uh, however it is you want to subscribe. If you want to leave us a review that you think it's really cool, that would be awesome as well. But tell three friends about Locked on Jazz so that they find out about it and uh, you have smarter friends uh, to talk talk with. Today's show is brought to you by Jamalto. As well as SeatGeek, Jamalto is the digital leader in security uh, in an ever-changing world, and we really appreciate Dan Spence and having them involved. And SeatGeek is your number one place to get tickets with the promo code LOJAZ. You can get twenty dollars off for an upcoming uh, game. Theater show or whatever you want. We start each show with something called Pins Across the World, uh, and if you're new to the program, feel free to send in your pin. Pin Across the World is a uh, share with us how you became a jazz fan, what the origins of you becoming a jazz fan is, as well as share with us the uh, what it is that uh, you know that made you a jazz fan and where it is that you're listening from. Uh, let's see. This is from Mike Brown, but not from the big the brown bear. Uh, I attach my pin in a word document. He has a nice little picture, uh, of him. And let's see, who's this picture with his picture is with Carl Malone, the mailman. And he has a picture of himself as Mike Brown. Uh, My name's Mike Brown. I'm from Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, Put a pin in the Rose Park neighborhood, northwest of downtown. I became a Jazz fan when I was eight. My dad had season tickets the old Salt Palace. We sat three rows behind the Jazz team. In the first game he took me, it was either Frank Layden's last coach or Jerry Sloan's first. Some of my memories I have of the old Salt Palace of being so close to the team, I could hear uh, them use words I would get in trouble for using. Uh, from my parents and the live jazz band that played in the arena during the ball tosses back then if you were a little kid like me you could walk under the bleachers underneath the band and collect the jazz balls that flew through the gaps in the bleachers how awesome I'd come home with like four or five jazz balls back then Mike Brown Carmel's backup at the time was my favorite player obviously because of my name but what really solidified me as a lifelong fan was an experience about a year after my dad started taking me games I was nine I was in pretty serious accident with a horse to put me in primary hospital, children's hospital. Seeing how I was going to be in the hospital for a while, I got to decorate my room with my jazz posters. And wouldn't you know it, one day Carl Malone and Mike Brown made a hospital visit to primary children's hospital. I don't think it was a TV promo because I don't remember any cameras being there. I really think it was a genuine visit for the kids at the hospital at the time. I had a poster of Carl Malone and Mike Brown, and they walked from my hospital bed wheeling my giant... IV that was attached to my neck, shaking with excitement. I remember thinking how gigantic those guys were and walked up to Mike Brown first. I could barely speak as I handed him my poster and pen and told him that I was Mike Brown too. He smiled, signed my poster, joked around with me, and then I remember him and my dad were talking for a few minutes. As I approached Carl, he snubbed me a bit, seeing how I was. he was swarmed with other sick kids. Mike walked up to him and I remember him saying, hey Carl, sign Mike Brown's poster, and it felt so cool. It's still amazing to me, to this day, and the punches me right in the feelers when pro athletes make hospital visits, especially when they don't have to. Obviously, becoming a personal impact to me who made my jazz fandom set. He wrote some more, but I'm going to move on with the program. Mike Brown, we appreciate your pin from Rose Park. Let's get to it. Game one. I mean, what a gut punch. Oh, my gosh. It, it, it did remind me of, as I said, uh, game one when Memo goes down in 2010. It, uh, but this was Rudy, and... He's been the one force you knew you were going to have. It's one play in. It's 14 seconds in. And, and uh, you know, I I, <clears throat> I went to a commercial break and just was as despondent as all of you saying words I should never say. And halftime, I was just, the season's over. And somehow these guys fought through it. I mean, really, just a remarkable fight Uh to to put through, I think they were stunned for a few minutes, uh, but then what these guys have been through all season long played. You know, Jeff Withey gave really good minutes, and Derek Favors was was ready to go and played terrific basketball. And Joe Ingles fought early in that game, setting a tone defensively by just ripping the ball on two occasions from members of the Clippers. Uh, these guys, their their fight in that game was was really really special. Uh, And then, you know, then they executed. They played. If you go just to the very first play of the game, J.J. Reddick comes across the curl that you know he's going to. Uh, I think this is the first. Favors is in the game now for a second. He denies the pass into DeAndre Jordan just enough that it pushes Jordan off the mark so that when Reddick comes around the curl off Jordan, he's a step further out. Derek then shows out a little bit on pick that changes Redick's route. Boris Diaw, who's guarding Blake Griffin at the top, takes one step in so that J.J. Reddick has to hesitate rather than making a complete tight curl. And Joe Ingles fights all the way through it to block the shot. And the first play of the game summed up the level of defensive activity and energy and focus and preparation that these guys had for this game. The preparation at shoot-around on Saturday was one of the most awesome things I've seen. One truly to the point where they had a play in which they with, pretended that they were had no timeouts left. They The Clippers were at the free throw line. And here, you know, what are you running? And it's not the exact scenario that happened, but it's close enough. That the guys knew what to do and were prepared to make what was an incredibly smart, heady play of Joe Ingles going to Joe Johnson, getting the switch on Jamal Crawford. You'll hear from Joe Ingles in this conversation, and he says in that, uh, or I don't know if it was in this conversation or another one, where he said, you know, we've been doing that most of the night. In other words... For most of the game, they've been trying to get the mismatches on Jamal Crawford and trying to get the mismatches, and so he knew to do that. The Clippers have missed Austin Rivers. They miss Austin Rivers a lot because Austin Rivers is a pretty good defensive player, and right now they either have to have Luka Bamute on the floor, who's a non-shooter who the Jazz are playing off of, even if he makes a few shots, or they have to have Jamal Crawford on the floor, who's a bad defensive player. And JJ Redick fights, but he's not a great defensive player. And Raymond Felton's not a good defensive player. And I think he shot about eight percent from three since the All Star break, so he's just struggling. And the lack of Austin Austin Rivers would probably be playing thirty minutes for them right now. And the lack of Austin Rivers means that strategically, the Jazz have places where they can they can shoot at the Clippers and take advantage of them. Uh, they're going to Jamal Crawford's one of the worst defensive players in the league. He's old, he's skinny, he's never been defensive-minded. The Jazz are going to shoot at him on probably just about every possession. And he's in the game. And then when Mbamute's in the game, they're going to play. He was an incredible defensive player. They're going to play off of him. He might make some shots. He's hitting 39% of his threes. They're almost all corner threes. Uh, He's he's actually a little bit, you know, a threat. But I don't think he's going to shoot more than... Four or five times a game, and you're welcome to play off of him. Uh, so the Jazz story of this game is really a fight, a focus, a physical play from Joe Ingles, and then just great strategy. You know, Quinn Quinn really has this team well prepared and on top of their game. Uh, the other angle on this series that from the very very beginning. I think is one of the most interesting, and if you've listened to Locked on NBA, you know this, is I think the Clippers are the most fascinating team in the NBA. Not just because they're playing us, but I, I think they're truly the most fascinating team that's out there right now. How are they going to react to adversity? The interesting thing about them, it's only the first time, it's the first time this group has ever lost game one of a playoff series at home. And they won that series. It was against the Warriors. They actually, their problems have almost universally happened when they're ahead in playoff series. So if you go to last year, they're up 2-0. Then the injury strike, they lose four straight to Portland. They win game one against San Antonio. They go on to win that series in seven, in one of their great wins. They then go up 3-1 against the Rockets and lose that series. 13-14, they lose game one. The only other time at home, 109-105, they go on to beat the Warriors. Last team to beat the Warriors in the playoffs. They then get up 1-0 on Oklahoma City, tied at 2-2 and lose that series. They get up 2-0 against Memphis and lose that series 4-2. So that's the, the playoff history with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, is that they get ahead and then fall apart. This is only the first time, this is only the second time in seven playoff series that they're behind after the first game. And will be interesting to see if we see some fight out of them that we haven't seen. They're on the verge of being broken up. And the question is, do they care? And I think the answer's got to be yes. but it's a curious thing. The other aspect that's so fascinating about the Clippers, it has to be discussed to some extent is when they have considering their playoff failures, Is there something to their team that means that they get less good as a playoff series goes? Now, they win. I'm not sure that there's a legitimate argument to it. I mean, you could start by saying, okay, well, you know, they play game six against Memphis and lose. They play game six against the Thunder and lose. They play game six against the Warriors and lose. They play game six against the Rockets and lose. They won game six against the Spurs. They lost game six last year. So, in their six game sixes, which is kind of when a series has, they're two and four all time. But they're two and one in game sevens. In game fives of a playoff series, they are one, two and three, two and four. So they've definitely been less good as a series moves along. Is there something to it? The the one argument to that, talking to people around the league, is that they have greatly talented players who have very specific skill sets. And as a playoff series matures, you get more used to those those... They also have very much of an offense that it's either your turn or my turn and not a collective ball movement-based offense similar to what the Jazz have. So we'll see. It it certainly uh, gets interesting. Today's show is brought to you by Jamalto, global leader in digital security, bringing trust to the the crazy, crazy interconnected world uh, that we all live in. All right, so you have a company and you need to protect your data. It's not easy in this day and age. It's been being done generally kind of with the wrong approach. What everyone has tried to do is protect the exterior. The fact of the matter is the bad guys are going to get dribble penetration. They're going to get into the lane. They're going to, get in, they're going to break your network. So now what you have to do is have a Rudy Gobert-esque defense to protect the breach when it happens. Data is the new gold. They're going after the gold. So you've got to imprint your, encrypt your uh, important data. You've got to store and manage your keys, and you've got to control your user access. And that's what Jamalto will do for you. Three-step process that understands, all right, we're not going to be able to stop. At some point, they're going to run a pick and roll. They're going to have a great dribble penetration. The bad guys are good at this. But once they get inside, we need to have a Rudy Gobert-esque defense to stop the data, stop them from getting our data. So with data encryption, with crypto management, with authenticity. And that's what Dan Spence at Jamalta will do for you. Call Dan for your company's security at 801-540-3024. That's 801-540-3024. He's Dan Spence. He's the, U- the regional sales manager in Utah. 801-540-3024. All right, let's go to some of the conversations I've had uh, with some of the guys. Here's Joe Johnson from yesterday. Uh, We chatted about uh, the win, and the end of it is just awesome, about how much he still enjoys the game.
2: Right up there at the top, uh, obviously. You know, we was very resilient, you know, throughout that whole game. It was a run. It was a game of ups and downs. And, man, I just think, you know, toward the end of the game, we were the ones that came up with the the most big plays. And uh, (laughs) luckily that shot went down. It seemed like it took forever, but it went down for us.
1: Are things going really fast at that time or are they actually really no, slow? Really,
2: really, really, really slow. Everything was kinda of moving slow and uh I can just remember watching the clock and when it got to about three, that's when I started going to go into my move because I didn't wanna leave them uh no time on the clock to be able to call a timeout and get a you know, set up a play or nothing. So we got the last shot, and that was the best thing about it.
1: You got Jamal Crawford on you. You guys have been going at him for much. Was that just communication out of the huddle? Was that? Nah, it's just.
2: Uh, I think it was more of just Joe Ingles uh, knowing that he probably should have should come up and set the pick, and he set the pick, and they switched. And uh, I mean, it was no help. You know, it was basically mono mono.
1: Your defense in the second half on Blake Griffin was probably as big as anything. What did you guys do? And you personally, second half on Blake?
2: Man, just trying to stay between him and the basket, make him take tough shots. I mean, he's a load down there. And, uh, you know, we, you know, us as big guys, we got our work cut out because uh, we know we're going to get a heavy <laughs> dose of Blake Griffin. And we just got to make him take tough shots. He's going to make some, he's going to miss some. It's just part of the game. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can just contain it. I walked by you, just kind of happened
1: to walk by you right at the end of the family section. You just let out this big sigh. I don't think it was intended to anyone. I just think it was maybe exhaustion. How yeah. tired were you after uh, that?
2: Yeah, just, yeah, that was just caught in the moment, man, and uh, very tired. Uh, you know, obviously just from wrestling with Blake all night. Uh, but, I mean, it, it was fun to be a part of that. That was exciting. It was a challenge that we had to take upon we we faced a lot of adversity, especially just to start the game with Rudy going out. So, uh, you know, we all had to step up collectively and make plays, and we did that.
1: Uh, Doc Rivers said you guys <coughs> are the more physical team. Did you think any
2: of your guys particularly led the way in that? I think it was just just a team effort. Uh, obviously, I think Joe Ingles setting the tempo early in the game and getting steals, block shots, hawking the ball. He's uh, I thought he set the tempo defensively, and it just kind of trickled on down. In
1: your five games against the Clippers, you're not getting very many three-point attempts. Is it something that they're doing, and is there anything you can do to get more?
2: That's just me. I think more- The than... whole
1: team, not just you.
2: So oh, it's probably, uh, you know, they're a great defensive team. Give them a lot of credit. Uh, but we just got to keep putting pressure on their bigs, you know, spacing the floor so guys like Gordon and George Hill and Rodney Hood can create and make plays.
1: Thanks, do you bro. like the game as much today as you did as a rookie?
2: Yeah, I mean, at at 35 years old, I'm still enjoying it. I love it. I don't think, you know, when you get this late in your career, if you're not enjoying it and still having fun, it's kind of hard to stick around, you know what I mean? So I still enjoy the grit and grind about it. So I'm, I'm still having fun.
0: Love that last part. Love, love, absolutely love that last part from Joe Johnson about, Just still enjoying the grind and all of it. Uh, Joe Johnson in games with two or more days rest, 54% from the field, 50% from three. And here he gets two days rest again. And in many ways, Joe Johnson is the key to everything we've got going. His defense on Blake was great. It was a huge adjustment in the game. The Jazz were bringing a double in on Blake. Blake, if you dig into the numbers a little bit, uh, as I have, uh, Blake wants to play out of that left block. That's his preference. And out of the left block, though, uh, he's and he's good, he wants to go, he's going to go middle. He does not go right shoulder out of the left block. When he goes right shoulder, he's just 4 of 20 for the entire season. He went on uh, game one and missed. So he's going to either face up from the left block, where he hits about 47% of his shots. You can kind of live with that. Or he's going to work to the middle. The Jazz were bringing a double on that. The one thing is if you look through the numbers, the Clippers' effective field goal percentage on passes out of the post up to spot up shooters is only 47%. Early in the game, Ron Boone pointed out, the Jazz seemed to be a little bit uh, kind of discombobulated on where they were bringing the double from. J.J. Redick was who's usually the first pass out, was not in his usual spot. It led to some confusion. The Jazz rectified that, uh, reacted better, and shut down Blake in the second half. But Joe Johnson having a big enough force to hold him off, to wrestle with him, as Joe just said, uh, and keep him from getting deep, allowed that help to come. Uh, really mysterious quote from Doc Rivers after the game. Doc Rivers said in, that... You know, with Rudy out, the Jazz were able to play smaller. That might have helped them. We weren't as well prepared for that was basically his quote. What's so strange about that is we didn't play any differently than we've played all season long. We, at all. In fact, all we did, or really since the second half of the season, all we did is put Derek Favors into the spot by which was being played by Rudy Gobert. And we play, we've we been playing small for the entire <clears throat> second half of the season with Joe Johnson about 25 minutes a night. So that quote from Doc that the favors injury allowed us to go play small doesn't seem to jive at all with what, frankly, we've experienced, what we've done. And it, I mean, I don't want to say like they didn't prepare, but I will admit that I heard that quote and thought to myself, like, did they prepare? It's a really, really strange quote from Doc Rivers because we didn't play small or any more small than we've played all year long. And we haven't been playing favors and go bear together at all. Derek just played 30 minutes for only the eighth time all year, the first time in quite a while. And he was terrific. And it was really, I'm just so happy for Derek. So happy for Derek. All right, let's hear from Joe Ingles.
1: Uh, Quinn wants to build a team that's smart and thinks through the game, and he always is telling you guys, you know, this is what we're trying to get done. How much of that came into that final play where you knew to go try to get Jamal Crawford on the ball handler? Um, I mean, it wasn't just the last play,
3: obviously. we, We were trying to get matchups or switch matchups to the way we wanted a lot of the game um I think more in the second half realizing obviously Chris on the ball is is really good and, and Blake on the ball is pretty good so just trying to mix it up whoever um try and get Mute off of Gordon a little bit and get Jamal or JJ or get anyone um try and get Gordon a good look or someone else a good look so um it probably happened more in the second half than what it looked like. And then the same thing, I mean, we, we didn't obviously call the timeout. And, um, I knew Jamal was obviously guarding me and Joe was coming down my side. It kind of worked out well that it was on that side and, um, yeah, just get Blake off him and, and get someone else to, to try and guard
1: him. But, uh, yeah. Sometimes I watch you defending and think maybe you're actually an Australian rules football player, or a rugby player at heart. What do you think?
3: My shorts are too long for that. They have, <laughs> a, they have little like baby shorts on. Um, I mean, we, we obviously a lot of us grew up playing that sport. It's a, it's a physical sport, but um, I didn't like the outdoors and the rain
1: and the mud and I would much rather the heated, heated gym. In your five games against Clippers, your team's three-point attempts are way down. What is there anything they do particularly in any way for you to get more three-point looks? Um,
3: I mean, I know when I was there they, they had a
1: big influence on, on running
3: guys out of the corner and, and making you do something else. Um, obviously still a key if you're giving us those kind of stats and um, I mean we'll, we'll we'll get our shots I think um, I think we've we figured out like, that they, they were physical early on where we couldn't swing the ball from from our bigs to our guards at all in the first few minutes so once we worked out kind of what they were doing how they were defending I think we, we played a lot better in that kind of like second third fourth quarter um, the first quarter we got a bit stuck down and I think the first five plays we ran breakdown pick and rolls or isos every time so um we'll we'll, we'll find we'll, we'll get our shots um I, I think we need to do a better job of getting g some some good looks and um get get i mean barmute is a great defender but try and get him off of him to, to get him a, a couple of good looks early do you suspect they
1: might not let joe johnson just work one-on-one in the post and that may open up some opportunities
3: i mean i hope they do but um yeah we're, we're obviously we're both
1: teams are going to adjust to different things and
3: um, if they don't, like you said, I mean, it will open up f- for the guys on the wing. So um, we'll see how they play and, and adjust on Tuesday. I
1: you know, it's been three years now, but when Doc Rivers in this press conference kind of goes out of his way to say that he thought the Jazz were more physical and the Joe Ingles changed the game and was the biggest defensive factor, is that rewarding to you considering that was the team <laughs> that released you along the way?
3: Yeah, I mean, someone asked last night, I mean, it's so it was so long ago that it kind of is what it is there was no hard feelings at the time I was um, having lunch in LA when I got the call from, from Utah and it's all it's all worked out pretty well so um, yeah I mean it's nice obviously to get a compliment but it's it's one game and um, I guarantee you JJ will be ready for this next one so um, yeah we'll, we'll prepare and um, we'll be ready for him again
0: Joe obviously did an amazing job on JJ Redick, physical with him, grabbing him. I do think Joe's a rugby player, Australian rules football. He'll grab you, he'll hold you, he'll fight you, he'll get even though he says like, and then he'll have a beer with you afterwards. I think it's kind of the essence of who Joe Ingles is. But he really, he, I thought he set the tone. Joe Johnson mentioned that earlier. That was the reason I asked that question to Joe Johnson when everything was when when the gut punch came of the Rudy injury. It was Joe Ingles who I thought kept the tenacity and the fight up and kept this team going. So you can hear it in both of those, by the way, about Rudy. That was There was no news on Rudy yesterday, but both Joe Ingles and Joe Johnson had those comments that I don't know if they led you to believe. I don't know what it led you to believe, and I'm not going to speculate, but it certainly is opening the door that Rudy could get back at some time. Now, the ESPN had a piece where the headline and the quote from Rudy were incongruent and did not. it was seemed really sensational that Rudy's trying to get back for the series. That actually has not been said by anybody. So I don't know. Uh, what I do know is that if Rudy will do everything he can to get back as fast as he can, because uh, that's Rudy. But you've got to also make sure that you're not putting the franchise uh, in jeopardy. Uh, Joe Ingles' play late was just so smart to go get Joe Johnson free. Uh they they really played a smart basketball game. Joe's such a good ball mover mover on the floor. It just matters uh so much. Just one of five for three. Quinn Snyder pointed out yesterday Joe J. Reddick's defense is that he runs you around everywhere, exhausts you, and then you don't make some threes like you usually would. Um He really just Fabulous. And I have one other note down here that I wanted to talk about. And I can't read my scribble. wonder what it is. I wanted to talk about his defense on JJ, his ball movement, his toughness, and whatever that word is. All right. Not sure what it is. Uh, but, so we'll move on. Today's show also brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the number one place for you to go get tickets to any upcoming event, whether it's a theater show, a concert, a game, whatever it might be. And here's why SeatGeek is so great. First, it's just on your phone. So you just download the app on your Android or your Apple phone. The second aspect about it that's just terrific is that SeatGeek compiles all of the tickets from all around the area in one spot. So you don't have to be checking multiple sites. Then they go and give a ticket score to every single ticket. So if you don't know the arena or you're not sure what the best buy is, they're going to tell you what gives you the best bang for your buck. Maybe their ticket score isn't in the right spot of the arena. You want to be lower bowl or the ticket price too high. Whatever it might be, you can adjust it to make it so that you know what the best for you is. And third, uh, they, it's all secure. It's 100% guaranteed, and it's right there on your phone and easy to use. That's what makes SeatGeek so terrific. So download the SeatGeek app now, go to the settings tab, and enter in the promo code Jazz. That's LOJAZ, And when you do that, you'll get a $20 rebate sent to you after your first purchase. Jazz for your SeatGeek uh, purchase. $20 back. All right, let's hear from Quinn Snyder. Short little, short little bite. Uh, the about what he saw when he watched film.
1: I think our activity defensively w- was good. You know, I, I, the 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 reason you spend time um, during the year working on your habits is that hopefully in certain situations they can be instinctive. And you know, I think we played with, you know, played we played aggressive defensively. Um, I thought we, you know, I thought on the offensive end, their pressure really bothered us. Um, and then we, you know, that's going to be a theme for the series. Um, I think how we handle their their defensive pressure. So I didn't think we did a very good job of that early, um, which is to be expected in the playoffs. You know, But we have to be, you know, be precise and be forceful.
0: So we've talked about that defensive activity a little bit. Early in the game you saw in the first play, they just terrific focus and intensity on that. It's going to have to be even more so. Doc Rivers said that the Jazz were more physical than the Clippers, so I think you'll see them coming out. Uh, Doc didn't say a lot about X's and O's in his press conference. He talked a lot about physicality, so I think you'll see the Clippers coming out trying to do Clipper-esque things in Game Number Two of the series. Uh, I'm gonna re—I haven't rewatched the whole Game One yet, uh, so I'm gonna—I watched the first quarter. I'm gonna rewatch the whole thing today. I'll have a lot of that for you tomorrow, kind of speculating. Plus, I'm heading to practice today uh, for you to, to get your get some insight for you on that. I just got a text from Travis Henderson, our Emmy Award-winning director. Joe Johnson, late and close this season, including Game one, 10 of fourteen from the field. 6 of 8 from 3, 3 of 3 from the free throw line, 93% effective field goal percentage. That is sick. That is sick. thank you to Travis for that. We I by the way, I, I I really Travis and Scott and Jeremy, they work on the TV crew. We share a lot of information with each other. It's a wonderful working relationship to have that uh relationship and share and it, it makes our jobs uh a lot lot easier. All right, great day to be a Jazz fan. Hope you enjoyed the show today. Uh we'll see how the Jazz can Uh, fight through some of those offensive things Quinn talked about. Uh, I'm going to look at that a little bit more on film and and see if I can recognize what they did to react and have that for you on tomorrow's program. Thanks to Jamalto and Dan Spence. You can reach him at 801-540-3024. That's 801-540-3024. And to SeatGeek for being our sponsors of today's program. This has been Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.